Hello everyone, and welcome to Paranormalized, where in an attempt to normalize the paranormal, we share stories, concepts, and facts from this world of the unexplained. This is season three of our podcast that dives deep into any and all manner of the unknown. I'm your co-host Drew. I'm Alex. And I'm Alicia. And welcome to Paranormalized. Mermaids! Who doesn't like to talk about goddamn mermaids? For centuries, people have claimed to see women drifting in the world's waters with their bottom half being that of a fish. And even though the actual concept sounds gross, weird, and probably a little bit smelly, people have never not considered them sexy as fuck, dude. So let's talk about the origins of mermaids. Woo! God, I'm so excited for this episode. So first things first, uh, over the centuries, there have been a lot of different beings that have been lumped into the category of mermaid. However, most of them are actually of a different association. While doing research on this episode, I went through a lot of articles and books that talked about different beings such as nymphs, nixies, selkies, kelpies, and association with mermaids. Uh, so to save us a lot of time and energy, I'm just going to cut this off right here. Any creature that has an association with water that can shift into a human form is not a mermaid. Actually, most of these beings are older than the concept of mermaids and or the concept of mermaids that most of us know today. In most instances, these beings are actually just water spirits. Um, they aren't just some run-of-the-mill magical water creature like a mermaid is. Water spirits are deeply rooted within their cultural mythologies as higher beings than humans. Um, if our audience is interested, we can always do a separate episode on water spirits later. Of course. Uh, moving on, though, there are some variations of mermaids that we actually do need to discuss today. Obviously, we're going to be talking about normal mermaids. We also need to talk about sirens, which are not the same thing, and one or two others. Let's start with sirens, because Alicia is passionate about the need for differentiation. I am indeed. Sirens are a mythological creature created by the Greeks. When they first made their appearance, they were a mixture of human and bird. And before you think it, no, I'm not talking about harpies. Those are different. Sirens mostly had only the head of a woman and the body of a large bird. But in later references, they became women with only the legs of a bird with some wings. The most notable reference to them is in Homer's Odyssey, when the creatures tried to lure Odysseus's ship with their mesmerizing song. A siren's goal was to lure a sailor in, tempting to turn their ship towards dangerous waters so they would sink and drown. Or if you were unlucky enough not to drown, you could sit on the siren's island listening to them until you starved to death. Fun times. I mean, wouldn't that be, like, good for them, though? Because that's, like, all they would be in their brain for the rest of the time would be serotonin. But you're still starving to death. <laughs> would you notice, though? I think so. I think you'd still feel the hunger pains. Yeah, I feel like you'd probably go crazy after a while. Yeah. I don't know. In the poem, Odysseus was prepared for the assault, war warned by Circe. First you will raise the island of the sirens, whose creatures will spellbind any man alive, whoever comes their way. Whoever draws too close off guard and catches the sirens' voices in the air, no sailing home for him, no wife rising to meet him, no happy children beaming up at their father's face. The high, thrilling song of the sirens will transfix him, lulling there in their meadow, round them heaps of corpses rotting away, rags of skin shriveling on their bones. Out of curiosity, Odysseus wanted to hear the siren song. To avoid being bewitched, he had his sailors plug their ears with wax and tie him to the mast of the ship so he could hear the sirens. Since he was tied down, he could hear the voices and promises, but he could not jump to them. Thus, they could sail past the sirens without dying. I mean, fair enough. Wouldn't you want to hear what they sound like? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I would. Yeah. I would. You think that would, like, lead lasting effects on him? Like, mess with his brain chemistry? Probably not. 
Also, I think it's worth mentioning that although Cersei helped them here, he, she did turn his entire crew into pigs at one point. She did indeed. If anyone's looking for a good book recommendation, Cersei is a great book. Like, honestly, one of the best books I've ever read. Anyways. <laughs> now, although mermaids are usually seen as the musical ones in modern day, this affinity for music didn't come about until they started to merge with sirens. Being that they used to be birds, it made a lot of sense for their songs to be mesmerizing to human ears. Bird songs are pretty. So obviously, half-woman, half-bird songs would be pretty, too. Over time, though, as they started to be represented as more human, artists still needed to express that musical link. So they started to give the sirens instruments, flutes and lyres being the most common. And the songs that the sirens sang were not only a beautiful melody, but they actually made promises to tell or give their victims secret knowledge or tell them something about themselves which made their songs even more enticing. Some scholars even describe them as a mantic creature that knew both the past and the future. Going back to Homer, the song that the sirens sang to Odysseus said, Once he hears to his heart's content, sails on a wiser man. We know all the pains that the Greeks and Trojans once endured on the spreading plain of Troy when the gods willed it so. All that comes to pass on the fertile earth, we will know it all. They offer to tell him something that will bring him enlightenment, make him a wiser man. However, this is a false promise, as they might not tell him this secret knowledge after all, and instead kill him. And by might, I mean that they definitely will kill him, just uh, they might not tell him? I mean, they could tell him and then kill him. You know? Yeah. Um, I like to imagine that while they're singing their songs, like, telling, when, when it says the line, telling them something about themselves, like being like, you have a 10-inch penis. <laughs> I think that would yeah. entice some men, you know? <laughs> sure, I guess. Well, like, it might not be true, but they'd be like, hell yeah, dude. Well, what if it wasn't? Wouldn't that kind of, like, break the spell a little bit? Did if no. you were like, I have a little prick down there. Like, come on now. Unless you believe what they say. Mm-hmm. I mean, people believed that they would be given forbidden knowledge, so, like, yeah. They could tell you how to make the, pick, the prick bigger. You know, yeah. Just, I, you got this. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So, uh, this is kind of an obvious difference but being that sirens, you know, used to be part bird, uh, they really didn't have a strong connection with the ocean or water at all, really, other than their prey being sailors. They lived on a rocky island because it was isolated. They thought they were safe there and that they wouldn't be interrupted, you know, with all their murder. Um, they were also pretty emotionless. Obviously, there are a lot of romance stories connected with mermaids, but sirens, like real sirens, uh, they didn't give a shit about men. Uh, sure, their voices are seductive to men, but it's not like they're seducing them because they want to be around them. Sirens were literally killing these men for shits and giggles. They weren't even, like, eating them or anything. They just like to watch them die because the sirens are queens. I respect that. I know, right? <laughs> Which brings me to my next point. Sirens are exclusively female. While all other types of mermaids have male counterparts, sirens, uh, the bird version and the fish version, are always and only women. This is where I start to kind of get more into like the transition from bird to fish. Um, A siren's only reason for living is to kill men. In mythologies, most men are horny as fuck. I'm looking at you, Zeus. Uh, So it was way easier to seduce a man with your sexy song as a female representative. This continued on in medieval times once sirens became fish ladies because those gosh darn Catholics used the siren as a representation of how dangerous female temptation could be, misleading all those good little godly boys. Um, But we'll get back to that later. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because we all know I can talk about the Catholic Church for days. 
Mm-hmm. Paranormal eyes does not stay in the Catholic Church. If you have <laughs> it's also important to note that sirens have always been limited in number. In Greek mythology, there were never more than eight sirens total. Homer claimed that there were actually only two. Once their concept spread to other areas of the world, they didn't breed, so there was only ever a set number of them. And of course, they were created with the ability to live for an incredibly long time. In fact, the only surefire way to kill a siren is to hear their song and ignore it, meaning that when Odysseus tied himself to that mast so he could hear the siren song, he of course wanted to go towards it but physically could not. And those sirens probably died after that. During those later depictions, it never really was said what people did to kill sirens, but maybe that's because they weren't really trying. The church was too busy getting people to avoid sirens to worry about how to kill them. I just wonder in that phrasing if it means like, because Odysseus didn't necessarily ignore it. He just couldn't do anything about it. So yeah, I'm but like he it, like survived it. Yeah, like, I, I get that. That's what that's saying. But I also yeah. feel like it could be interpreted as maybe they didn't die because like you have to actually have the willpower to hear it and be capable of going there, but you just don't care. Maybe. But, which is impossible. I don't know. Yeah. Food for thought. <laughs> to finish up sirens, we need to talk about one other thing that they had going for them. So, sirens were also thought to accompany dead souls from, you know, the human world to the underworld. Thus, they belonged to the psychopomps of Greek mythology, creatures, spirits, etc., who escorted newly deceased souls from Earth to the afterlife. Consequently, they were often also referred to as, like, the muses of the lower world. Um, Due to this association as psychopomps, the ancient Greeks placed siren statues on the graves of deceased family members. This was understood as a symbolic depiction of how their soul was guided to the underworld. The connection to the otherworld likely resulted from their bird-like appearance or the other way around. Um, birds were sometimes thought to be able to transcend worlds. This idea of like death birds that had a connection to the realm of the souls was a rather common idea in some close-by cultures at the time. Fucking badass. Um, so, to summarize, sirens are evil, they hate people, they love music, uh, they can see the future, they can carry your soul to Hades, they're only women, and they're almost impossible to kill. They are not mermaids. They are super mermaids. Once I talk about mermaids, you will all see how lame mermaids are, because they don't compare to the badassery that is a siren. Okay, so, but before I disappoint you with mermaids, we are going to talk specifically about Grecian mermaids. Now, I know what you're thinking, <laughs> but Alicia, aren't sirens Grecian mermaids? No! You weren't paying attention. Uh, We just went over how sirens were not mermaids. Pay attention. The Grecians had their own mermaids as well as sirens, and they were called tritonides. Uh, They also had, like, nymphs and, like, nereids, but those are water spirits. Again, different. So I'm sure most of us have heard of Triton, and no, I'm not talking about aerials, sometimes referred to as hot or sexy or butylicious or scrumptious or still father father yeah that was weird anyway wow drew listen i don't have a closet full of triton fan art okay don't worry about it anyways triton in actual mythology is the son of poseidon and a nymph named amphitrite he is considered a god of the sea but obviously not the god of the sea because that is to be his papi. So usually, he was depicted as the herald for Poseidon. Now, Triton is your stereotypical merman. Very basic, half man, half fish shut up. And he had lots and lots of children. The males were called Tritons, and the females were called Tritonides. Now, these bitches literally did nothing other than blow on their little conch cells when Poseidon showed up. That was the only thing 
musical that they did. They were just his travel buddies. But Poseidon never left the Mediterranean, you know? So neither did the Tritons and the Tritonites. Their existence never transferred to other mythologies. Which is actually kind of interesting, seeing as how Western Europe took almost everything else from them. But yeah, that's Grecian mermaids. See? Boring. I don't know. I like their little conch shell trumpets. <laughs> Triton's hot. What? Listen, we're going to be talking about hot Disney dads. We'll get into Aladdin's dad later. Aladdin has a dad? Actually... Yeah. Aladdin has a dad? Aladdin yeah. has a dad! That was a whole movie dedicated to Aladdin's dad. It was the third one. There's more than one Aladdin movie? Oh, oh my god, god Drew, get, ah! get on the same page here! Guys, we are going to be concluding this episode shortly. We, <laughs> we have to go watch the third Aladdin. Were those straight to tape movies? Yes, they were. That's why I never <laughs> saw were. them. They well, were guess what? Good. They're on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I saw all the straight-to-tape movies. But anyway, <laughs> off that tangent, let's talk about actual mermaids. The kind that have been so coveted by modern culture that we've gotten the little mermaid leggings that look like fish scales and stupid little signs that say stuff like, in a sea full of fish, be a mermaid. That type of mermaid originated out of, originated out of Germanic folklore. And that folklore led to Hans Christian Andersen writing the original Little Mermaid tale, which was published in the 1830s. So what are the key characteristics of mermaids? The first and most important is that mermaids are friendly creatures. And no joke, every article I read shoved this down my throat. They said it like a million times. They really want everyone to know that mermaids are nice and sirens are mean. Like I literally had to like deep dive to learn more about mermaids and it like really made me angry. Oh, that and the fact that they live in the ocean and not lakes and rivers. Like apparently that's all that's important about a mermaid. They're like, yeah, they're nice. And they live in the ocean. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's that's it. That's all you care about. I was very angry. Um, so mermaids were also always described as being beautiful. Whereas, you know, like with sirens, like it took a while for them to like get that status um, because, you know, it was just, you know, their voice that was beautiful. Mermaids, um, they often wore like branches of like red coral as crowns and they were like dressed in white silk robes because they weren't always naked. It depended on the culture. Sometimes they did have clothes on. Um, and, you know, sometimes they, like, rode the back of dolphins or hippocampi through the sea. Uh, they furthermore often saved sailors and fishermen who were in danger on the sea, um, sometimes even, you know, saving them from drowning, which is obviously the exact opposite of a siren. Um, which leads to another key characteristic with mermaids, their fascination with humans. And by humans, of course, I mean men. Uh, mermaids in most mythologies have the ability to transform their tails into legs when they are out of water so that they could live amongst the people. Mermaids have often been detailed as seeking out redemption and love. In the original Little Mermaid, the main character is deprived of her soul and she can only get it back if a human man loves her. She fails and is turned into sea foam. Um, there is a constant theme in mermaid myths that they are looking for a better life and someone to love them. And this leads to their association with vanity, which is extremely important. Which the Little Mermaid also plays into the whole obsession with humanity thing. Yeah. In the beginning with her, all of her collections of stuff from humanity. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whereas the sirens carried musical instruments to aid their divine singing, mermaids were much vainer. An image in the Nuremberg Bible shows one combing her long wavy hair and admiring herself in the mirror. Combs were a symbol of promiscuity in antiquity, and long flowing hair a sign of a wanton nature. 
Think of all the paintings of mermaids that you've seen in your lifetime. How many times were they looking at their reflection or combing their hair? A lot, right? And most of these pictures were pretty, right? Well, obviously, these mermaids are seeking the ruin of some holy men. Yep, all these pictures were actually created to show men how dangerous mermaids can be with their beauty. Uh, that being said, it's now time to talk about Alicia's favorite topic, the rise of the Catholic Church. As I dance in my chair. Yeah. Uh, as usual, the Catholic Church was trying to link everything to the devil, of course. Obviously, this had to include the pretty half-naked fish ladies. And there was no better way to do that than to merge the lot of them with evil, seductive, man-killing sirens. In the Middle Ages, sirens could be part bird, fish, or snake. All three were said to be pretty damn sexy, no matter what their lower halves looked like. However, the watery version soon started to win out. Water was a female environment, and woman's constitution was considered cold, moist, and oh so needy. Water, therefore, was the perfect place for sirens and the like. There was one drawback. Wouldn't living in the water bring out a woman's worst qualities? Why, if all women are ruled by their passions, the lust of a water-dwelling woman would be so ravenous, she would surely be a danger to the purity of men. This thinking began to prevail until by the middle of the 12th century, the transformation from siren to temptress mermaid was complete. Now, we all know that the 12th century was a very religious time, unfortunately, and so the church grabbed on to the mermaid idea and they ran with it, much like they did many things. After all, what better example of lust could there be? Books like The Bestiary, Divin, written in 1210, began to expound on the mermaid's character flaws, calling them prostitutes and whores. Not very nice. Even saints like Jerome and Ambrose got in on the act, warning men the creatures would sneak onto ships, whisk away innocent men, and force them into sex. Yeah, force sure. them. These force beautiful, beautiful them. creatures. They would definitely be lusting after these men so much so that they would have to take them and force them into sex. As if, like, you know, we don't have these beautiful mermen. Wait, mermen are only in Greek. Right? Mm. So, in Germanic folklore... Um, the male versions of like mermaids were more like nixes, which are more like water spirits. Gotcha. Okay. Well, regardless, mermaids are apparently going after these really dirty sailors who haven't had a bath in like months. Yeah. I mean, that know. is a common theme among women today is <laughs> a lot of them. No, okay. I don't want to say that. That sounded very uh, misogynistic of me. Uh, there are a lot of women out there though who are very attracted to the dirty man. Norman Reedus. Uh, Norman Reedus. Uh, as we were Discussing earlier today. Like we actually, actually had this conversation <laughs> earlier. You weren't there for it. We were. We, was it last night? I don't. I talked to Chandler the other night about how Norman Reedus disgusts me, but apparently a lot of women really. Enjoy. We were talking Reedus about it on the does. car ride because yeah. Rachel was telling me how much she loves Norman Reedus. Like he, her, 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 her type of man is the dirty man. So he needs to be scrubbed down. Anyways. The only exception is Aragorn. You know what? And I I'll agree with that. that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that one. Thank you for again. Thank she you also for coming said to that my her TED other, talk. Like, her other example, other than Norman Reedus, was Heisenberg from Resident Evil Village. Oh, Heisenberg <laughs> is so scuzzy. <laughs> like, he needs he needs a shower really bad. I'm going to take a scrub brush to his face. Anyway. Anyways, if you would refuse their advances, they would turn you into mermaid dinner. Obviously. So artistic depictions reinforced this image of the sexual predator, even inside churches. Uh, they hoped these representations would remind men to take care of their souls and flee from immoral desires. Mermaids were shown as temptresses with long flowing hair and naked boobies. 
Some held split tails parted and um, like held up like at their like sides as like an invitation for men to give in to their carnal desires. So basically, they gave you two tails so you could fuck the space in between them. Yeah. <clears throat> One 15th century artist even positioned a fist strategically between the split, insinuating it was about to travel into her vagina. Yet another image has two serpents coiling around the tail, mouths attached to, again, her boobies. Weird. Just, just, they're weird. It bothers me. According to St. Bernard, the idea was like an epic failure. He said, again, in the cloisters, what is the meaning of these ridiculous monsters of that deformed beauty, that beauty deformity before the very eye of the brethren, brethren when reading? Such endless forms appear everywhere that is more pleasant to read in the stonework than in the books and to spend the day admiring these oddities than in meditating on the law of God. Man has points, right? I know. He's like, like, hey, why would you put these sexy pictures in front of people who are supposed to be reading the Bible? They're like, here, man, we need you. We need you to transcribe the Bible for us. So you need to look at these sexy little mermaids. Don't look at the porn. Don't look up. Like they're there. My man Bernard really said, "Dude, I can't get any work done anymore. You need to fix this." <laughs> but eventually, the role of religion in people's lives began to lessen, and the mermaid's image began to change. By the 16th century, they were being used in political propaganda, while the 17th looked at them from a more scientific view. Art and literature of the 19th century repurposed them into symbols for tragic love affairs, while focusing more on their original Germanic origins. So, yes, suffice to say, the Catholic Church failed miserably pretty early on in their quest to make people hate mermaids. At least they failed with one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, people saw mermaids as strong, confident, beautiful female figures of power. Even Queen Elizabeth I was compared to a mermaid in her famous Armada portrait painted in 1588. If you look closely in the bottom right corner, you'll see a metallic woman with a fishy tail instead of legs. This image is a depiction of the queen, a lone woman, exerting her power over her men while they fight at sea. This is supposed to lead people to the connection between Elizabeth's grasp grasp on her armada and that that a mermaid would have over them. A risky but subtle move at the time. And today the mermaid is even more of a powerhouse symbol. More importantly, they have been adopted by the trans community as symbols of characters that have struggled to be accepted in their bodies. In other words, let's keep revitalizing mermaids as the complex creatures they are. I hope we cleared up a lot of the confusion about how mermaids got to be the way they are. Hell yeah. Wow! You know what? Mermaids rule. And you know what? I'm going to say it. Sirens rule too. Sirens are fucking amazing. I love them. (laughs) They're the coolest creature. Like mythological creature to have ever existed. So the mermaids in Peter Pan. Sirens are mermaids. Mermaids. They don't do shit. They're not trying to eat people. In the original Peter Pan, they definitely try to eat people. Okay. I was like, in the movie, no, in the movie they were just, just like, chilling on rocks. They're just doing their hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I am 99.99% sure in the original book they are actually sirens. But it's also been a long time since I've read that. Like, literally haven't read it since I was eight. So yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever read the original Peter Pan. I will, though. I'll happily read it. There's sirens in it. But she won't read Harry Potter. And she won't read Harry Potter. I will eventually <laughs> read Harry Potter. I just have not gotten to it yet. Anyways. Um, so I think that's it. Um, yeah. Once again, not going to make promises about what our next episode is because we're just doing them all at once and who knows, they get in whatever order I put them in. You yeah. are sure as shit getting content, that's for sure. 
that, that much I know. You will be getting content in another two weeks. On a scheduled basis, we promise. Woo! That we promise. <laughs> that much I can promise. We are sure. getting our shit together, folks. For a short period of time. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Paranormalized. We'll see you guys in another two weeks. And a special thank you to all of our patrons, but especially our Portal to Hell patron, Gabby Buggy. 